Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Tales from the TARDIS podcast. I'm your host Scott Summers and today is going to be my commentary of Doctor Who series 10 episode 3, Thin Ice. So without further ado, let's jump in, have your copies of Thin Ice ready as I do on BBC iPlayer and 3, 2, 1, play. Just an elephant. I could not wait for this episode. And just the first time the camera turns back to the Doctor and Bill, I just smiled so much. (laughs) Well, not without meaning to, eh, Doctor? Himself, eh? Probably was a better parking spot for the TARDIS, though. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this wardrobe once again. little glimpse of what is uh, I almost want to call this episode Under the Lake (laughs) I know it's thin ice but just I did almost accidentally call it Under the Lake a couple of times because it just seems almost like it now a little interesting fact why the um Title call is going. Thin Ice was originally going to be um, the title of a story in the classic uh, series in, before the show got cancelled. It was supposed to be um, Seventh Doctor and Ace's last story together. And now, in we go. Sarah Dallard, obviously, last wrote Face the Raven. Not quite as many um, companion deaths expected uh, today. Uh, and obviously, TARDIS realised what was wrong just after the Doctor had stepped out the doors. But man, you really get a look at how uh, big it is, how long it is, rather. <laughs> <laughs> There is a history of companions being erased from time. 
I mean, Rory was for about five episodes, and then he came back as an Ulton and Doctor rebooted the timeline. That's a bit complicated, but yeah, that's that's for a, that's for a different episode. It's not an alien planet, but seeing the past recreated, Doctor Who and the BBC just always do this so well. Costumes, all of the outfits, all of the scenery, just... Once again, amazing. Bill, not quite as adventurous as some of them. Doesn't quite want to try the uh, old food. Hmm. Yeah, spoke about that. Doctor and River. Who knows when else he was uh, here. It's the only, that's the only other time we knew of. Should have seen that. <laughs> Zero gravity wrestling with tentacles and magic spells. <laughs> I know who doesn't love a bit of Regency England. President for that. stole that hat, he technically stole the TARDIS and probably a few other things that I'm forgetting at the moment. Plus um, that pie. 
on the Thames who wouldn't want to do that and here come the lights I do love we can see it clearer later on the effect of how the ice freezes back over once someone's taken. Looks absolutely amazing. I just have one problem with this bit and it's not the children conning dinner before, it's the how much the sonic screwdriver is sticking out of the doctor's pocket, pocket there that allows it to be taken. He wouldn't normally have it in sort of a pocket there. Traditionally, it always seems to be like inside jacket pocket. It seems like it was put there just for this bit. It just seemed a little bit forced and fixed. But it it was basically there to uh, advance the plot. <laughs> Sonic screwdriver also uh, recently been added to the Oxford English Dictionary. There's another little uh, fact for you there. And I mean, as much as I don't like deaths. really should know given what he's been doing that this would happen and of course the doctor uh, would like to save the kid but more importantly still pretty new Sonic doesn't want to lose it straight away. <clears throat> we really get to see Bill really caring here. really get obviously third episode Bill still learning about the Doctor and we do get that early bit of pushback that we need to see from a companion it's what we would expect
Carter does make a good point there. But, also you can see it from Bill's point of view. for a 50th anniversary callback here. Although obviously as we did learn then, the 10th Doctor knew the exact number, but the 11th Doctor had forgotten the number of children that died on that day in Gallifrey. both directly and indirectly the doctor has killed we've seen him pick up a gun before we've seen people like Davros say he turns his companions into weapons his actions have both directly and indirectly caused deaths had companions die for him. But as a man who's lived for over 2,000 years, he can't be hung up over every death. Otherwise he'd barely move on after losing a companion. He's got to keep moving. remember all the people that you used to be sorry I was going to start quoting Matt Smith's regeneration story there point I was really getting a vibe of um, Empty Child Doctor Dances from series one Eccleston with uh, Nancy and the younger kids that she sort of cared for running around London I was really getting the same sort of vibe here
story the doctor is telling is apparently a uh, true story. Bill doing her best there to uh, reassure. There's three little kids there, Dot, Harry, and then the uh, other young girl's name, Perry. Doesn't seem a coincidence with the exception of Spider, the boy that died, and Kitty. The other three all named after previous companions. going to be inside the ice soon, Bill. Love the old-fashioned diving suits as well. And here's to start to feel the... they keep walking away from each other. It just feel like something's about to go very badly wrong. And here come the lights. Those little green lights. I have a slight issue with this next moment. I feel like it's a little bit of luck involved. Where Bill manages to throw the light perfectly so it hits the doctor on the back. allows him to jump down just in the nick of time. Really doesn't look like there was enough space there for the doctor to get through, but those are a couple of just small moments that don't really have a massive impact. And I couldn't help thinking at this point if it would have benefited the doctor and Bill to still have those uh, ear implants from uh, the previous episode. Maybe then they could have spoken to each other under here. 
And I did also randomly wonder at this point what powers the sonic screwdriver. I can't remember if it's been mentioned before, but just as the doctor's holding and using it as a light while they're underwater, it did just make me wonder. Rather odd, really. Yeah, in that flashback, you see the sonic screwdriver. It's almost like he wants it to be taken. Yeah. And that is a big creature. It's the same man from earlier. Doctor Who is really running short on uh, extras. <laughs> he does admire the treat, to be fair to him. below there. I mean, they are fish. Was a fish by but what sort of fish? Soon to have that uh, thing of it coming, him trying to find the answer to some irrelevant question. I do agree with the doctor, though, I'm not a massive uh, fan of tattoos. But yeah, seriously, standing on a frozen Thames, someone with a tattoo of a ship. Psychic paper, even slightly misspoke there. The psychic paper, how lovely to see it once more.
<laughs> it's head, yeah. You're gonna wanna put that back down, Bill. Doctor does very well here at getting information. of him <laughs> very good uh, cut away there say the rest of this um, everything else that happens between the Doctor Bill and Lord Sutcliffe in this episode I do love absolutely everything except the character of Lord Sutcliffe but and at this point I was racking my brain going is it going to be an alien friend foe basically end up being the character description the doctor gives him there and I was waiting for absolutely anything and then he walks in Dr. Disco last year's in the Saigon Invasion going so well for about 20 seconds and I cheered at that moment so badly cheered as the doctor punched the racist I was waiting for the doctor or Bill to do it really I suppose that is the Doctor's charm, really. (laughs) 
<clears throat> oh, at this point, I really do hate his character. I know we're supposed to, but I really hate him. Well, yeah. Look, there we go. Tattoo on his left hand. Now, while it is a fact that uh, the Frost Fairs did happen in London, as far as we know, they weren't orchestrated by a uh, evil man who was trying to kill people by uh, having an some sort of possibly alien creature eat them from inside the Thames. You know, that's what records show at least. unimportant as the doctor has said before and you can see in this moment why the doctor does hate humans sometimes a lovely speech and doctor does always give these great meaningful speeches And just before you thought we might have a slight redeeming quality, he has enforced the evilness of him, Lord Sutcliffe. <laughs> waiting for the doctor to try and escape while they were here. Probably. Well, he has made a few of them. In this incarnation he made a speak in the Zircon uh, version about war. The 11th doctor made, made many speeches Every incarnation has these meaningful speeches. But you know, he's probably 2,000 years old unless he's lost count again. Probably not rum. Sarah Dollard that there is literally no redeeming factor to him whatsoever and yeah Bill thought the screaming was really going to work well there's so many other things going on but it did at least get 
the other guy out of the room so they could work on escaping. So I need a screwdriver. And now it does seem to work. Though the sonic screwdriver is in a different pocket there, so you know. That's where you would expect his sonic screwdriver to be, so why it was where it was earlier. Very uh, plot dependent, obviously. Lights. Some sort of sonic thing. <laughs> well, thankfully he does see the uh, lights go inside and they're very clever whether it meant to do it or not interesting to know that Sonic Screwdriver can stay on with an on off switch and timing <laughs> Another one bites the dust, but you know, henchmen have a history of dying. Come on, Bill. <laughs> Lockless monster, very oh, yeah. Another good, another positive for Pearl Mackie and Bill, who just seems to be getting better and better. And she does decide to save the creature. Like, not that it is a lot like the beast below, but Amy wanted to save the Star Wow. I do see the point though of people are saying that these episodes are callbacks to previous episodes but the show's been going on for over 50 years as, as, a, as essentially the only TV show with such a history still being made as frequently today there are going to be callbacks and references as much as these first three episodes do seem almost like they were almost remakes of old episodes you've also now got fans involved in the creation and the writing of the show so what do you really expect and I was really waiting for something bad to go wrong here but Bill 
herself safe so she can when she can. Well done, Doctor. Although at one point I did think he was about to lose his Sonic again. Boom. And the second chain. Oh. Well done, Doctor. That was quite the way to do it. There he is. And that music, you hear the music start to roar it's just you know what's coming and if you wanted to cheer the moment everyone loves a hero's success and a villain's defeat and here it is Lord Sutcliffe falls. She can't go towards the steps. And ah, oh, just another cheer, just so happy that these moments come. And just to tie up the only other loose end, I was. Thinking of at this moment, <sighs> it's really the visual of the monster coming past. I did almost think she was going to be the, uh, you know, the Loch Ness monster, <laughs> but you know, they're checking on Greenland, and there we are, got his Sonic back. Pretty long. I do love little comic moments like that. And I have to say, for a CGI monster, I quite liked it. And now just to tidy up the, uh, the four kids that are left. Will it looks like there? Um, they have food. <laughs> well, he did have a few issues. And they're back. 
in this two almost two episode arc that uh, wasn't a two parter and yet blended together so well. And here comes Nardo with the tea. Uh, still the summit, the uh, comet belief at the moment. Search-wise, last. Uh, not sure if that if it was last seen series one, but it was seen in series one when Rose Tyler searched for a doctor in a blue box. Nothing. And well, that is true. They did go off-world. Not in those clothes. It was on the same world, just back in time a bit. <coughs> Tea clouds. Yeah, there is a history of uh, Saved. <laughs> and he must have learned that trick after all. And at least Nardo's still there. Uh, Tending to the vault. <laughs> yes. I was listening to the knocking very carefully as we see what it looks like. Very interesting next time trailer. With the lots of rumours of what may be in the vault. And it sounded like the knocking was in a rhythm of three. A lot of people claiming they were hearing a rhythm of four, suggesting which uh, John Sim-shaped Time Lord they think might be uh, in there. And I cannot wait for that next episode. Student centres. That's going to be uh, another great episode can't wait for that but I thought this this was a I thought really good episode it, so far this series that's three episodes in a row that I've just thought I've been really good and it just so it's I'm just happy to have Doctor Who back 
and in Capaldi's last series, I just wanted some good episode, and so far the first three we've had have all been that, and obviously we're still waiting for those big old foes to come back, and they're going to be brilliant. I thought this was brilliant. I will hopefully be recording my official review soon. But this was my commentary. Good episode. It's not going to spoil anything else from my review. So until then, you can find me on Twitter at Tales underscore TARDIS via email at Tales from the TARDIS podcast at gmail.com. Please leave a like, comment, and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Uh, I've been Scott Summers. I will be back soon with my review of Thin Ice. Until then, this has been Tales from the TARDIS podcast.